So customer education requires a broad set of skills. It requires skills both in the learning segment, it requires skills around project management, it requires skills around business. So it's a full set of skills that you need. It's a very broad, but yet a very deep set of skills that you need to have on the team. And you really need to understand all of the different skills to make sure that you are aligning with the business. If you only have one piece of it, if you only have the business piece of it, then your learning isn't going to be developed very well. If you only have the learning piece, then you're not going to show the business impact and you may face problems in the team and in the company uh, if you don't have the right business impact goals. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of the Visual Lounge. And today we are talking about customer education and the skills that you need. So if you're not familiar with customer education, we're going to, we'll cover a little bit of that, but it's, a, a, I think, a growing field, one that's related to learning and development, one that is obviously very important in this world of SaaS kind of products and growing subscription and needs to retain customers, help customers be better. I think it's almost like a, in my mind, it's this important obligation any organization has to their customers to help them to use your product, to be better with using your product. So we're going to get into all that, but we've got the president of SEDMA here, Debbie Smith, and she's going to help us understand some of these things. So let's go ahead and tell you a little bit more about Debbie. Debbie Smith is currently the Senior Director at Advisor University, part of Advisor Inc., where she leads their customer education program. She's also currently serving as the president of SEDMA, the Customer Education Management Association. Debbie has long been an advocate for good customer education, including enhancing awareness and helping others learn more about certification programs and the many ins and outs and do's and don'ts associated with them. She has a great depth of knowledge and experience in leading customer education efforts and is not an exaggeration that she is a champion for customer education professionals, best practices, and helping to improve the world and space of customer education. With that said, please help me welcome Debbie Smith to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Debbie. Hey, Matt. Nice I know. To see you. Yeah, it's nice to see you. And I know there's so much more that could be said about you and all the great things that you've done. You're, you've, you've done a lot in the industry with a lot of different organizations. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited to be on with you, Matt. Okay, so we're going to start with our first three questions. The first one is, you know, we've, we've mentioned this word customer education already. I think if someone's taking a drink, they're going to have a problem if I every time I say customer education. But uh, how did you get started involved with customer education? So I've been in customer education um, as an ID um, and as a project manager for a while. When I got to QuickBase and um, really uh, met Adam and Dave and started learning more about the business impact of customer education, I fell in love. Um, when I was at QuickBase, I was able to show the correlation between trained users, certified users, um, and then also break down between instructor-led and e-learning and show the effect of the business that these courses were having. And being able to show me measurable impact is huge for me. It got me really excited. So um, that's when I really started realizing that what I was doing was something called customer education. I didn't know those words before. I had always just thought of it as learning and development or instructional design work. Um, but the switch to customer education was was a huge mindset shift for me because it brought in to focus a whole set of different skills 
than the learning and development piece. Because customer education, you have to really have the learning and development, but you have to have real business skills too. So you have to be able to merge those together. Yeah, I I, I love that that you you got to see that in the you know, we'll talk more about some of the measurement stuff later, but I, I, I love that you you've kind of found yourself in this situation and then it's like, oh, kind of here's this whole new thing, right? And uh, I imagine there's a lot of us that feel that way because I know when I started at TechSmith, I was an instructional designer and quickly moved into a management position and had no idea that there was, I didn't even know there was others doing this kind of work, right? Like it just felt so like, oh my gosh. And I, when I found customer education as a term, it's like, I found my people. That's pretty fun. Same. And that's why I joined Sedma. Sedma has been around for a real long time, but I didn't know that because I was in a different space. I was in the biotech space instead of in SaaS and Sedma really focuses more on the SaaS space. But finding those people was huge because as you said, I found my people. We could have to talk and have the same language. We were experiencing the same problems. We were solving the same problems and we were celebrating the same wins. So it's huge when you can find your group of people. Absolutely. So I know this is a super broad question and there's there's no probably one good answer, but generally, how do you define success for customer education? Like what what generally does that look like for people? Great question. So it actually depends on the company that you're at because every company has its own business objectives. So how I define success for customer education is driving your business objectives. So understanding what your corporate OKRs are and actually driving and impacting those. Uh, it's really tying to that corporate OKR, to your revenue goals, to your decreasing support tickets, decreasing churn really tying everything to those is what makes for a successful program. How you build the program and what you do to build the program is all the what, but the how and the why is really the business impact. Yeah, love that. Okay, last question here, and then we'll get into more conversation about skills that, that folks need. We're a show called The Visual Lounge. So we got to talk about images and video. What's one tip you would give our audience to help them improve using images or videos in their customer education? Um, so if you like to read, there is a great book that I recommend for everyone. It's uh, Robin Williams, The Non-Designer's Design Book. If you haven't done anything with design, if you've picked up design on your own and haven't taken real courses in it, that book really simplifies everything for you because it talks about the contrast, the repetition, uh, and all of the things that you need to know about designing. And so it's a really good primer on it. Yeah, and we should we should just let everyone know that it is a different Robin Williams than the one that you're probably thinking about when you hear the name Robin Williams. Yes, yes, it is. But it is not the actor Robin Williams. It is, it, but it is a seminal. It is a seminal work on on visual des, on design and just what it's a great recommendation. And I think this might be the first time it's come up on the Visual Lounge, but it is a that is a great piece of work. So thank you for recommending that. Yeah, it's a great piece because I am not a great designer, but that book when I first read it uh, oh, probably 20 years ago now, um, helped me understand the design principles. So I know when I'm doing something wrong, I'm not the best designer, but I can design enough to make it work. And with the help of that book, it's much better now. My design is much better than it was before I read it. Awesome. All right, Debbie, I want to talk a little bit about the, these skills, right? So one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for this is that 
like you said, I think people kind of fall into realizing that they're in customer education or, um, you know, there's not like programs that are necessarily developed, you know, like you can go to grad school, become an instructional designer or you fall in. But I think customer education, you're coming, people are coming from all these different backgrounds. Is there an ideal starting point for someone who may be interested or wanting to get into customer education that lays the groundwork for them to be successful from the go? I think they have to understand instructional design. That doesn't mean they have to go to school for instructional design, but you need to understand basic learning science. And then the hardest part, I think, is actually if you are an instructional designer, learning how to scale back what you were taught in school. Because in school, uh, my degree is in instructional design, and we're taught a very academic way of doing things. That doesn't actually fly in customer education. It's way too long a process. It, it's drawn out and it's overcomplicated. So learning how to really simplify and hone in your skills is one of the biggest things for customer education, really the art of subtraction. Um, we tend to add things and we need to learn to subtract. So, so tell me a little bit more about that. So let's, let's get a little practical here in terms of like, uh, you know, our, a lot of the audience here probably is in learning development. They're probably in training. Maybe there's some others, you know. Um, so I'm curious, like, when you talk about pulling back, I, I know there's probably a lot of people going like, <gasps> and they're gasping because I, I, I've got to follow the, the process. So what types of things would you recommend people look at pulling back on from that kind of learning design sciencey side to, to what's going to fly with customers? So... One of the things that I'm looking at is when we first start to develop a course, right? We start to develop a course outline or a course blueprint or a design document. Depends on what team you're on. They're all pretty much the same thing, just different words for it. We need to really just focus on getting the important pieces there, which really what's important when you're developing a course. You need to know who you're developing for, right? Are you developing for customers, employees, or partners? And what level of experience do they have? But you don't need to spend a lot of time on that because once you define who your customer are, customers are for your first set of courses, the, all of the courses that you develop are actually going to be for the same customer. So you don't need to spend time for every single course going through who the audience is because you already know that. So it can be done much faster. Also, spending time... Um, really doing a lot of that front-end analysis work, identifying all the different roles that could possibly be taken the courses and the performance goals for each role. That's something you do in L&D because you're working with different people internally and your goals are different for L&D. With customer education, you need to just write one set of performance objectives for everyone. So it's a lot faster to do that. You really, to do your initial design doc shouldn't take more than a day. Um, and being able to pull in everything that you need. Probably the hardest part is really writing the performance objectives and writing true performance objectives that matter to the end user. So end users don't really care about our features and functions. So writing an objective that they can use a feature doesn't help them. Now, if you tell them that they're writing, you're writing an objective, um, to, for example, with Vizier, one of the objectives that I might write is um, ask better, learn to ask better questions, mm -hmm. um, because Vizier is based on a model where you ask questions to get your answers. It's an analytics platform around HR features. But getting the why you're doing things into your objectives and really focusing on 
what it is people need to be able to do. And that's really where we need to focus. And I see a lot of people get caught up in writing Bloom's taxonomy learning objectives. From my perspective, there is no adult learner that needs to be able to list three <coughs> things or describe three things, right? They need to be able to do something. They need to be able to create an analysis. They need to be able to create a guidebook to explain what's going on in their company. Um, but they don't need to be able to define the guidebook. That's nothing they have to do in real life. So our objectives have to really go to real life objectives. Yeah, I, I, I love that, right? Because it gets down away from the kind of the theoretical to the very practical. It's not, like you said, it's about doing like doing the tasks that they really want to do. I, I think about like Camtasia or Snagit, right? Like uh, it's not that anyone is wants to make a video. They want to make a video that does something. It markets a product. It sells a product. Or it teaches someone how to do something. So, uh, so I, I love that. So, okay, so we've talked about kind of the instructional design side, but I, I feel like you, you talked at the beginning about the business side, right? There's these business skills, kind of this business set of uh, knowledge that really helps in customer education. Walk us through, what are, what are some of those? You don't, we don't have to go necessarily super deep on these, but I'm curious, like, if I want to be successful in customer education, maybe I'm coming from the L&D background, maybe not, but I've got, what are the business things that I need to understand that will make a difference in my organization as a customer education professional? Great question. You need to understand how to align with business objectives. You need to understand what the business objectives are and why they are what they are. There's always a financial goal. There's always like an ARR goal which is annual recurring revenue, right? But understanding the terminology, um, ARR, CAC, customer acquisition costs, and actually understanding how those all affect your program. How much does it cost me to get a customer? What does it take for me to get a customer into training? What's the result of their training? So the business impact piece, but there's also this other piece that we often don't talk about, or at least I don't hear it talk people talking about it as much and that's actually running a, a customer education business so when you're running a customer education business you need to understand pricing and packaging because chances are you're going to do either certification or instructor-led training and i feel pretty strongly that both certification and instructor-led training should always be paid for so you need to understand how to price and package and then you need to know how to sell it you also need to know how to resource so figuring out how much work an individual can do in a work week and over a year so that you can actually plan for resourcing your team appropriately, that's something we don't talk about very often. And it's something that's really hard to do. Um, and now I have a calculator that I use to help me figure that out, especially when it comes to content creation. Um, so building up an arsenal of templates that you can use to actually figure out how to align your business goals with what you need to do. So, you know, if I have to produce revenue of about a million dollars, then I'm going to need more people than if I don't have a revenue production goal, right? Because I'm going to have to have trainers to actually teach. If I'm doing all e-learning that I don't need the trainers, but if I need trainers, how do I figure out where should the trainers live? What time zones should we be teaching in? and how much training is realistic for an individual to do every week. Those are some skills that it takes a little while to hone in. And they're things that people don't really talk about needing to understand. But if you don't understand those, you can't run a profitable business and you can't really push your company business metrics further. 
Yeah, so I mean, super, super fascinating, right? Because I, I, I am with you that I don't think these are the things that are being talked about, and maybe it's, you know, the the circles I'm in, but I, I, I think there's probably some big gaps here for a lot of organizations to understand these things, especially at a customer education. Which, which leads to my next question is that oftentimes when I'm talking to others in the industry that are, you know, c- customer education folks. And if we're, we're swapping maybe war stories and talking about kind of things that are going on uh, and we inevitably it's like, oh, well, where, where in the organization do you sit? And it's usually a different answer. You know, I, I know people that some are under customer success, some are in sales, some are in marketing, some are their own. Is there a right place for customer education to sit generally? And I, and I know it's different, going to be different for every organization, but Debbie, you are... You're, you get to be my expert today. And so I'm, I'm curious your opinion on this. And, it, you know, again, we'll, we'll couch it. It's just an opinion. People can do whatever they want for their businesses and organizations. But what what's your take on that? Yeah, it, that's a great question because I actually have been on product, sales, HR, marketing, customer success, customer excellent, growth team, um, and then a separate ID team. So I've been in eight different teams and had reported into eight different areas. Um, I now report into the chief customer officer directly. And that is actually where I believe customer education needs to be. Customer education needs to report directly into the C-suite, I think, and it should be your chief customer officer. And the reason I think that is because that's where the goals all align. When you're on a product team or on a um, internal team such as HR, or even on uh, with those, your focus changes and you're not close enough to the customer. If you're on sales or marketing, chances are you're only doing, or not only doing, but you're focusing on pre-sales. When we can help with pre-sales, but our real big, huge impact is with actual customers. So reporting into the chief customer officer, being right alongside the VP of customer success really helps you align your goals. So that is always my preference. Okay. Yeah. And I'm guessing there's a lot of organizations that maybe don't have uh, chief customer officers either. So that's probably a, a, a challenge, right? Like who, so who in the suite, C-suite is taking that role, whether they have the title or not? Exactly. And so figuring out a lot of companies, I'm seeing more and more companies add chief customer offices or chief customer experience offices, seeing that word a lot too. But as we start to really shift from uh, that inside out mentality to outside in, right? So we're really thinking about the strategy of customer value. As a company focuses on customer value, they add a CCO because they recognize that they really need to focus on their customers. When we first start in small startups, we tend not to have a customer officer and we tend to be very inside out. And what does that look like? That means that everything we do is us telling our customers how they should do it instead of us trying to solve the customer needs. And you tend to see that switch um, after companies been in business for a few years that they start to really think about their customers. Yeah, for sure. Well, you had mentioned, uh, you know, obviously, as we talk about these kind of business alignments, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, and again, earlier is about measurement. And I'm, I'm curious, and again, we're, th- we're th- since we're thinking about skills that people have, obviously, getting into measurement and analytics and understanding that is, there's a lot there. Uh, 
are, are there key measurements that you think customer education folks are maybe lacking today that they should really be kind of, uh, you know, strengthening their kind of their, their, their skill set in that they're not doing currently? So I think there's been a lot of conversation around metrics and metrics are really important and understanding which metrics are important to who is really what you need to understand. So tying your analytics and, and having the skills to figure out the analytics is also a, a challenge. When you're reporting to a C-suite, they probably have one or two numbers that they care about. And it's worth asking to find out which numbers they care about because those are the numbers you want to report on. Many times I hear people talking about their metrics for learning as completion rates um, or number of learners. Those are good operational metrics, but they're really not the metrics that most C-suite cares about. So they're really not what we usually need to report out. Um, One of the new metrics that I've really started honing in on is a quality metric. Um, And although someone doesn't have to like your training in order to learn from it, Um, If they do like it, they're going to recommend it to others. So it's not the be all and end all, but it is definitely a metric that we need to start paying more attention to and setting more goals around. And I actually learned that from Raghu over at MongoDB, who runs their education program. He was an amazing person to listen to speak. And he was talking about how much the quality really matters. And I agree with him on that. So trying to figure out what the right analytics are for your quality and how you're going to pull that is important, but also how, where and how are you going to pull all your reports? You know, if you're tying into business metrics, where are you going to get all it? Where are you going to get all the data from? You can do it in a simple Excel sheet. There's a couple of um, templates out there that you could bring the data from your Salesforce or your HubSpot CRMs into, and then pull your learning management system in to show all the correlation data. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a BI team or a BI tool, uh, then you can do it right in there. And that's nice because then you have constant dashboards. So usually you have to learn a little bit of BI in order to talk to your business intelligence people because you have to be able to speak the same language in order to build out those charts. Yeah, for sure. I've had some of those conversations and I'm realizing, you know, I'll get into the conversation. They'll ask me stuff and I'm like, I don't understand the business intelligence piece of this nearly as as well as I should. So give me a second to go figure some things out. But so I I love this kind of shifting. I want to keep on the skills theme, but again, looking ahead, right? The, the world of customer education, at least from my viewpoint, uh, feels like it's been this incredible again, because maybe it's like when I found it, the things that are happening, but it's like, there's this growth. I see, you know, lots of positions that weren't around, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't, I didn't see these roles. Now there's a ton of these roles. Um, obviously economic situations changes things a lot, but looking ahead from a future kind of perspective, um, you know, there's obviously these things we've talked about that we need to learn and we should be learning what we should be good at, what, what we need to know, but what's the emerging future. If we, if we get the, I'm going to give you a crystal ball kind of thing. You get your crystal ball, Debbie, and you get to look at it and you get to predict in the next three to five years, what what things should we be thinking about, caring about in customer education? What do you think you would see in that crystal ball that would help us to maybe start preparing for it? So I think what we're really going to see, I think some of the big changes 
um, of course, everyone's talking about AI and I'm using AI now. I'm using Learn Experts uh, AI, which uh, we call Leah, to help create content faster. But what that does is it means the skill set that I have to hire for and the skill set that I need on my team is a little bit different because it's a lot of compiling, reviewing, editing, and then putting best practices. So people, what's happening is the lower skills are being taken over by computers with AI. So the higher level skills is really what we need. So it's going to push us to work faster, review faster, which means we're also going to have to all be product experts in whatever we're teaching, which is also a huge difference between learning and development teams and customer education teams. Your customer education team have to be product experts in your software. Your L&D people don't have to be because they teach many different things. So it's a totally different focus there. So, and I think those differences are going to get bigger as we push forward. I think we're going to need more product experts. We're going to have better learning science. So we'll understand how to put things together in a faster, easier to consume way. We'll do more with chunking, but we'll be careful about over chunking too. So it's knowing what that right point is, is really uh, a skill that we're going to have to hone in. So learning to ask better questions, a lot of the real soft skills are going to come in play too. All right. Well, that's awesome. And uh, you know, it's interesting. I feel like any conversation I'm having now, AI is coming up and I, 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 it's interesting. I get a couple different reactions from people I talk with that it's either this like embrace and evolve or it's like this, ah, the robots, you know, and then kind of this like, ah, kind of frustration about it. But I, I, it is interesting. I think that you're right, that our, our skill sets, we're, we're going to have to adapt, right? It's going to change things whether we are ready for or want it or not. It will, it's already shaping and changing the things that we can and will be doing for the work. So very interesting. Exactly. And you bring up a great point because people, some people are really afraid of the AI and they don't want to work with it all. Uh, I've had instructional designers tell me that they won't use some of the AI tools because they're afraid it's going to replace their jobs. And I don't think it's going to replace their jobs. I think it's going to change their jobs to that higher level. Um, and then you have the other people who love it and want to really work with the AI. So one of the things that I've made sure that when I'm hiring now, I include in my job description that we are using AI because if you're afraid to use it, then uh, you're not going to be able to work on the team because we are going to use it. Uh, but so making sure we're calling that out because not everyone wants to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to shift gears here. We've talked a lot about skills, but another skill that you, you talk a lot about is I want, I, I, how, how do I not ask a little bit about certifications? Cause I know you have a passion around certifications. I've heard you speak on certifications, uh, just brilliantly uh, helping, educate us about what is certification, what is not certification. So we could probably do a whole show on this, but I, I want to just kind of narrow it down. Like what are you, for you top three things that you want anyone thinking about certification or wondering about certification programs for their own customer education, top three things people need to know as kind of a uh, thought takeaway for them. Certification doesn't have a little C and people stop, need to stop using little c certification right um explain what that means so certification 
by definition from both the labor laws of 1999 and from the ISO standards, certification has to be a, a valid, reliable exam. Um, and it can be either performance-based or multiple choice. Um, but in order for it to be valid and reliable, you have to go through a full process to develop it. And that process doesn't have to be long. You can really condense it and make it short. But you have to have a secure delivery method and you have to be proctored. If you're not proctoring it, your exam's not fair. And the reason I will say your exam's not fair if you're not proctoring it is because it will be out on the internet within 30 days and people will be cheating on it. And if some people are cheating and earning a certification, then it's not fair to everyone else. Certification also by definition is not tied to training. So if you are offering a certification at the end of a course, that's really a certificate of completion. That's not a certification. A certification, when you offer certification, it means you do not have to take a course. You can just go take the exam. Now you might offer an exam prep course, but they're not required. And that's a huge difference. And many people are doing certificates of completion and calling them certification. And those cannot be used for hiring or promoting or assigning work. Um, at least they cannot in the, in, um, the United States um, because of the labor laws. Okay. Throwing some, some hard truths down for people. I, I, I appreciate it, you know, because I, I do see that a lot, like the, the difference between certification and, and certificate of completion. Both both can be good, right? Oh. Like the, no, there's yeah. value in both, but like you got to def- have the thing be what it is, really. Exactly. Call it what it is. And that's why we use digital badges and use a digital badging strategy, right? So I do r- write courses that issue a badge for a certificate of completion. Um, the term that I now use for those is qualified or qualification because people want a word around it, right? And we can't use certification because they're not true certifications. So qualification is the word that I picked up from Sandy over at uh, Infoblocks. All right. Well, thank you for that because I I think that's helpful. And again, it's one of those skills that if you're going to be in customer education and you're thinking about this and a lot of, I think a lot of people think about, should we do a certification program? It has business meaning, right? It's not just a term we get to throw around and it's whatever we want it to be. So exactly, exactly. And it is laid out in ISO standards and in the labor laws. So like there, there's actual real documentation around what it is. Awesome. Well, Debbie, before we go into our speed round questions, I just kind of final chance here. Any skills that we missed, haven't talked about that you feel like, hey, if you're thinking about customer education, here's here's the other thing that we did. We don't have to spend a lot of time on, but that you would want to make sure people know about. Project management skills are huge in customer education. One of the things that I see happen quite frequently with teams that get dissolved is that they didn't have good project management skills. And so they didn't develop a roadmap and deliver on the roadmap. And you have to actually be able to deliver sort of quickly. You can't produce one course a quarter or one course in six months. You're never going to be able to show the value. So you need to be able to get things done. So setting deadlines and sticking to deadlines is huge. Uh, And that's a huge skill that's hard to learn. for some people, some people it comes to naturally, uh, but being able to set that is, is a really important skill in customer education. 
Yeah, and having worked with a good project manager and currently working with a good project manager, I can tell you it makes a world of difference uh, for me as a team lead and and as I do my own projects, it's like it, it really is amazing to have someone who really just gets it and can shepherd those projects through and wrangle all the things that need to be wrangled. So I, I love that as a piece of advice. So Debbie, it's been fantastic to go through this, but we're going to jump into what we call our speed round. So for those that don't know or haven't seen the show before, speed round are, are quick questions with quick answers. So here we go. All right, so let's go over to our dice cam. So those that don't know, we roll a 12-sided die to determine the questions that Debbie is about to face. And Debbie, I promise there's nothing painful here. So first roll here is, that is a uh, that is a nine, because you got to look for the line underneath here. So let's pull up number nine. Okay. Oh, well, so, so easy question. Is there a question you wish I would have asked you about today? Something that we just didn't get a chance to talk about that you're like, man, I'm surprised Matt didn't ask me. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't ask the one question that everyone asked me about certification is how long it takes to develop it. Uh, so certification programs traditionally used to take 18 months, but now we can get them done asynchronously in as quickly as three months. Wow. Um, if we get everyone in a room, we can actually get it done in a week, but that's usually cost prohibitive. Um, so usually three months is what we can get a certification developed in now. That, I mean, that, and that's like, that's so quick and that's, but that's pretty awesome to, to know. And I, you know, I guess I didn't even think about timing of certification. Maybe we were talking more about certification, but I, good question. I love it. All right, let's move on to our next question here. We'll get rid of the, the nine next die roll. Here we go. Ooh, we're going to go right up the line to number 10. So you are obviously, uh, you're very involved in SEDMA. You're, you've got a career. What's next? What on the, it doesn't have to be any time short term, but like five, 10 year plan, anything specific that's next for you that you're looking ahead to? Well, for me, it's actually five, 10 years down the line is a creative time for me. That is when I get to bring out my potter's wheel and uh, throw a set of dishes because that's on my bucket list. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to doing in the future. Vizio uh, will probably be my last job. I plan on retiring from here. Um, so um, when I retire, I uh, want to get into pottery. Hey, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. I mean, probably no customer education. Thank goodness, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, let's go on to, let's get rid of the 10 here. Next die roll and our last speed round question is number 12. Okay, I love this question because it's it's very practical. What's the one go-to tool that helps you get your job done on a regular basis? This could be anything. This could be software. This could be physical gear. This could be um, a book. It doesn't really matter what, where kind of format it takes, but what's that thing that you use that helps you get your job done on a regular basis? Uh, so I say this all the time, and it's not just because I'm on your show, but I can't live without Snagit. Um, in fact, I always keep my own copy of Snagit so that if the company doesn't have it, I have it because I just find it so so useful to so many different things. I can do the animated GIFs in it, I can do images, I can edit crop and do it faster than I can do in some of the bigger programs, which I also have in use. Awesome, well, and thank you, we appreciate that. But I, I, love, I love that. And I, I, I also, uh, just for what it's worth for everybody out there, Snagit, for a home tool, like outside of just work stuff, is awesome. Yeah. Receipts, all the kind of stuff, I, I just grab stuff, send it off. Love it. So, all right, Debbie, uh, before we, we have you give us our final take, 
where can people connect with you? Where should they find more information? And particularly, you know, I'd love to hear more maybe about how they can connect with Sedma. So um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me um, at Sedma. So um, you can join Sedma. It's sedma.org. And we are an individual, global individual membership um, organization. And we exist really to help other people develop their customer education skills and would love to have more people join us uh, so that we can help grow customer education everywhere. Uh, so definitely join there. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Yeah. So in two conferences a year, correct? That people can go to and connect with all the sorts of great people in industry. Great question. We have actually gone to one conference a year. And so we're, we're in the process right now also of launching a YouTube channel um, that does AI reviews. And we just launched a Sedma Slack channel too. Um, so the conference next year um, will be in April. And we went to the one conference a year because, primarily because of the economy and the amount of traveling and the amount of um, conferences that are out there. There's some great conferences in the fall already for customer education. Thought Industries has theirs, Skilljar has theirs. Um, so by moving to the spring, we're at a different time. So that way we can, can still meet up with everyone at a different time of year. Uh, we tend to see each other in the fall already. Yeah, it's a, what a hard balance, right, for organizations because there are so many different things going on and also invaluable, right? It's not like right. it's, it's only one of those is, is good. So, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Debbie, as we wrap up, we like to ask everybody for their what we call their final take. So, Debbie, what is your final take from today's show? So customer education requires a broad set of skills. It requires skills both in the learning segment. It requires skills around project management. It requires skills around business. So it's a full set of skills that you need. It's a very broad, but yet a very deep set of skills that you need to have on the team. And you really need to understand all of the different skills to make sure that you are aligning with the business. If you only have one piece of it, if you only have the business piece of it, then your learning isn't going to be developed very well. If you only have the learning piece, then you're not going to show the business impact and you may face problems on the team and in the company uh, if you don't have the right business impact goals. Awesome. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for spending time with me and chatting with me about the skills needed in customer education. Thanks, Matt. It was great to chat. Absolutely. All right, everybody, go check out Sedma. Go check out the stuff that Debbie's doing. You know, think about the skills that you have. And there's so many great skills that she mentioned. And you might be taking a second just to review. Review what, you're, what you've heard today. And are you in the right spot? Do you got the right positions? Do you got the right skills that you want to succeed and for your organization to succeed? These are, these are knowable things. That's the great thing about think you know, Sedma and the other conferences that Debbie mentioned, these are learnable. So go go take some time. Go learn more about what really needs to be happening in customer education. And if you're doing customer education and you've got thoughts and comments about like, hey, what about this skill? What about this skill? Leave comments. Leave, you know, tell us what you think needs to be the best skills or skills that you think are missing in the industry today. Of course, we always love to hear from you. You can email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. That helps us grow the channel, help people find us. And if you're on the podcast, you're listening to a podcast site that has options for ratings and reviews, that helps us as well. But again, we want to spread the word about the Visual Lounge, help as many people find ways that they can use images and videos in their work 
whatever they're doing. And of course, we really want to encourage you to just take a little time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>